You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with some terrifying moments and a frantic rescue effort in South Surrey this morning. A toddler found unresponsive in a backyard pond. Rumina Dea is at Children's Hospital where the child is recovering tonight. Rumina, you spoke to the unexpected hero who helped save that little girl's life. Sophie, it's an incredible story that will give you goosebumps, I promise. If it wasn't for Jordan Bird's rapid response today, we'd likely be reporting on a death tonight. But man, let's dad see one of these today? Yes. Two-year-old Jackson, oblivious to the fact Batman has nothing on his dad, who's the real superhero. Feels great, I guess. Glad I was there to help. The one-year-old girl was airlifted from South Surrey to Children's Hospital in Vancouver after falling in the shallow pond. Her mother raking leaves in the yard when she lost sight of her daughter. Jordan Bird, a contractor, was working in the crawl space when he heard the screams. So we heard the screaming. We started to run upstairs and she met us at the hatch for the crawl space with her, with her one-year-old baby. Uh, it was soaking wet, unresponsive, blue lips. Bird's partner, Jeremy Marshall, called 911 while he started CPR. Once I started the chest compressions, water was starting to come out of her mouth. Then that's when she did a throw up. And then after that, the eyes opened and then she started, you know, making noises. And that's when, the, you know, we're like, okay, things are getting better here. A textbook rescue, even though Bird was out of practice. Eight or ten years ago, I, I took a first aid course. It was, I think it was first aid level three. And uh, I guess some of it stuck. Not only did it stick, it helped save the little girl's life. And I'm thinking, oh man, this could have been my kid. And I was glad to come home and pick him up today. <laughs> Now, the little girl is still in hospital here at Children's tonight. She is in stable condition. She's going to be okay. A family friend told us that the mother was too traumatized to go on camera, but she wanted to let Marshall and Bird know that she will be forever grateful for what they did today. Sophie, Chris? I can imagine. All right. Thanks for that, Romina. A large police presence for much of the day in a Langley neighborhood. Vancouver police, along with the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit, or CFSEU, executing a search warrant at a home on 240th Street and Fraser Highway. And while they're not saying much about what's going on there, we do know that it's in relation to an ongoing investigation into the recent Metro Vancouver gang conflict. A day of cleanup on the south coast after being battered by strong winds. They whipped up last night, wreaking havoc on several fronts, including Grouse Mountain, where a class of kindergartners were stranded for hours. Grace Key has a look at the damage. A scary moment for a Burnaby family. At about 11.20 Tuesday night, a mother and son were in the kitchen when suddenly they heard a loud rumbling noise that lasted for several seconds. At first, they thought it was an earthquake. It, it was a really loud rumbling noise. Pretty much, I guess that's when maybe the portion of the tree was breaking. And then I heard a huge thump, uh, like the ground shook. It's the second windstorm to hit the region this week. At the height of it, around midnight, some 20,000 BC Hydro customers were without power and some ferries were either running late or had to be rerouted. 
high winds forced Grouse Mountain to close its sky ride at about 2 p.m., and that turned into an adventure for about 70 kindergartners who were out on a field trip. The kids from Surrey Seek Academy were treated to movies and snacks while they waited it out. By early evening, the kids and a film crew finally got off the mountain when the trams were back running. Did the kids have fun? Yeah, they have a lot of fun. My parents were scared. We're working in this script. Gondola breaks down. People get stuck on the mountain. Last week we were in uh, Cedar Ski Highway and we were stuck up there. <laughs> Luckily the film crew wasn't back up the Cedar Sky overnight. The snow came down hard, leaving intermittent closures as police dealt with some collisions. Whistler also reported 38 centimeters of snow in 12 hours. The resort plans to open on Friday a week early. Grace Key, Global News. And a rock slide temporarily shut down part of Highway 1 from Yale to Boston Bar, just north of the Hell's Gate air tram this morning. Uh, thankfully, cleanup took just a few hours, and traffic on the busy route was flowing again by noon. BC's real estate watchdog is effectively banning dual agency, where the realtor represents both the buyer and the seller. It's just one of a number of new rules coming into play next year as the superintendent of real estate cracks down on shady deals and improves transparency. Ted Chernecki has more on how the changes are expected to benefit buyers and sellers. No more will a realtor in B.C. be allowed to represent both the buyer and the seller in a transaction. It didn't happen that often in the past, but come March 15th, it won't happen at all, except in very rare circumstances where a property is so remote that finding another agent is too difficult. And in that case, strict reporting requirements will apply. The problem with dual agency is that it creates a potential for abuse and a, a potential for conflict of interest. And so I believe that it's in the best interest of consumers to prohibit it. We welcome the changes and we hope to continue to be able to um, advise uh, council and things of how, how it transpires for the public as well as the members. Some believe there are still loopholes. A realtor who won't be able to represent both buyer and seller, for example, can still potentially get around that rule. I could potentially be a realtor and have the opportunity to have a, a partner in my same office that potentially could look after a buyer of one of my listings. I think that there's maybe some provisions they haven't looked at all of them yet. Realtors are already bemoaning the fact that they won't be able to service long-time buyers if they happen to have a listing that that buyer wants, and that, they say, doesn't serve the public. Often, realtors have clients for many years that we have fabulous relationships with, so it does put them in a bit of a spot. It doesn't necessarily provide the choice for the consumer if they want to deal with a specific realtor, a listing realtor of a property. I think it limits their choice. Other rule changes are aimed at forcing realtors to be more transparent, telling homeowners how much they'll pay and how that money will be divided among all the agencies. And above all, realtors need to be clear on who they represent. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Now here's a head shaker for you. Vancouver police tweeting this photo today of a driver who had a tablet and a cell phone attached by string to his steering wheel. Needless to say, his efforts to stay connected earned him a ticket, but not for what you might think. He received an $81 fine for not being able to produce his driver's license, but the officer decided to forego the $368 distracted driving ticket, feeling that a lengthy conversation about road safety was more appropriate in this case. 
More tonight on a heartbreaking story involving a young B.C. woman with a rare autoimmune disease and her fight for an expensive drug treatment not covered in this province. Tonight, we hear from an Ontario woman who received the treatment and is now doing very well. As John Wall reports, it's more evidence B.C. isn't doing enough to ease the suffering of patients with rare diseases here. Shante Anaquad stuck in a hospital bed in British Columbia. Nadia Saifu back to life in her Ontario home. The difference could come down to what province they live in. It was like me lying in the bed. It made me feel sad and it also made me feel actually guilty. Like Anaquad, Saifu recently diagnosed with the rare autoimmune disease AHUS less than two months ago. I was planning my funeral. I didn't think that I was actually going to be um, around for much longer. But the Mississauga resident met the criteria for Ontario's Exceptional Access Program, picking up the tab for a Kulazumab, better known as Solaris, a medication that costs $750,000 a year on a possible ongoing basis. And then within a week, I felt dramatically better. Bittersweet for Saifu's family, knowing there's a 23-year-old suffering in B.C., where Solaris isn't covered. For someone to look at you and say, you're not worth the money, I don't agree with that at all. In 2013, the Common Drug Review, or CDR, recommended against adding Solaris to the funding lists. But the Ontario government went back in 2015, asking for advice on criteria to cover Solaris for a smaller group of AHUS patients. And after doing more research and bringing in three clinical experts, the CDR did not reverse its original recommendation for all AHUS patients. But it did offer Ontario some sound advice. And at no time did it reject the province's request or shut down its proposed criteria. To say they were positive, but they didn't recommend it, is incorrect. I mean, they, they, their advice in 2013 was not to list, and their advice in 2015 was not to list. But in the 2015 report, an important point was made. Three clinical experts consulted by CDR endorsed the proposed criteria as a means of giving Solaris to people most likely to benefit from it. When the recommendation is no, then the recommendation is no. I don't know what to say about that. I mean... I'm proof. More than half a country away, Saifu wishing she could do more. If I could just give her that infusion, I would gladly do it because I know it would help. John Hua, Global News. The largest conference in the world focusing on the well-being of girls and women is coming to Vancouver. It's attracting some very big names who have a common goal of finding solutions to the challenges women face and tackling the road ahead. Nadia Stewart has more. For women across the globe, the challenges are often the same. In some families or cultures or religions, a girl or a woman isn't allowed to use family planning if her partner doesn't think she should. Despite technological advances and protests, Stop the violence! Stop the rape! Progress is slow. Two out of three adults who haven't learned to read and write on this planet are women. One out of three women will face sexual violence in her lifetime. Uh, students in North America uh, don't even feel safe on campuses uh, because of sexual assault. Um, section health and reproduction rights, uh, female uh, genital mutilation. There are, there are too many issues that we still face uh, as inequalities on this planet. Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, no stranger to advocating for women's rights. So it's no surprise she was named an influencer for the 2019 Women Deliver Conference, set to be held here in Vancouver. It's the largest conference in the world on gender equality and the health, lives and well-being of girls and women. The planet is at a tipping point for progressive leadership, for uh, a uniting vision 
of what humanity uh, is about, really. Canada right now is seen as a country who's taking it to another level when it comes to showing leadership on equality and justice. Gender equality and women's health and rights are issues that, that matters to everybody. Thousands of delegates will descend upon Vancouver for the three-day conference. One Iverson says will be focused on finding solutions. Change is possible. And when we get good people together from multiple sectors, it is all of it together because we're not living our lives in body parts or compartments. It's the whole girl, it's the whole woman. And the whole world working towards making change happen. Nadia Stewart, Global News. The Canadian migration that's costing B.C. big money. A new report shows more people are coming here for their retirement than any other province. And who could blame them? But there's one problem that could eventually bankrupt our health care system. That's in just over a minute. Why would you guys think Star that? athletes bust in for shoplifting in China, now back on home soil. What they say about their alleged crimes later on the news hour. And a massive warehouse fire. What's stored inside that makes firefighters even more concerned? Coming up later. But first, a new report says BC's health care system is under serious strain from people who paid little or nothing into it. The Fraser Institute says more Canadian seniors are moving here than to any other province. Keith Baldry tells us why that creates an unfair burden for BC. Parksville on Vancouver Island is pretty much BC's retirement mecca. Not that many retirees are actually from this province, though. We left uh, Alberta. Uh, primarily, we were looking at... Uh, downsizing and uh, getting away from the winters. And now a new report documents the impact of so many people moving here from other provinces, a trend that has been entrenched for decades. Since 1980, there has been a net population inflow to BC of more than 40,500 seniors, while over the same time period, more than 37,000 seniors left Quebec for other provinces, including British Columbia. This means BC was hit with more than $7 billion in extra health care costs to cover seniors' care. While Quebec's mass exodus saved that province about $6 billion. When seniors move from one province to another, because of the way we're financing health care, we have this imbalance between where you're paying your taxes for most of your life versus where you're going to consume your health care costs. Seniors' health care simply costs more, more than $6,600 annually for someone in their late 60s and doubling to almost $14,000 after age 70. And B.C. pays a higher price because of how the federal government funds health care to the provinces. The Canada health transfer is done on a per capita basis. So it would treat someone who's 45 in their prime working age the same as they would treat someone who's 75 who's... Uh, at their peak in terms of healthcare consumption. So currently there is no mechanism to adjust for the movement of seniors and therefore this demographic effect when we look at healthcare costs. Meanwhile, Parksville may be teeming with seniors, but when it comes to accessing healthcare, they face challenges of their own. If the government know that seniors are going to be coming here, they're not going to be able to stop them, so somebody needs to be planning now. Our daughter lives right next door to us. So we're so, going to become her worst nightmare. We're going to become her worst nightmare. <laughs> Keith Baldry, Global News. Another major travel award for Canada. Travel and Leisure has named Canada 2017 Destination of the Year. The international magazine cites our cultural relevance, blend of world-class cities, epic natural wonders, and eclectic cuisine. 
Canada follows in the footsteps of past destinations like Portugal and Cuba. I think they got it right. I think so too. Bidding on better seats. At the end of the day, money talks. Airlines offering an upgrade option, but what do you really get for your money? And where a three-dog limit is being proposed for people walking their pets. Well, you can call it eBay meets air travel, the chance to upgrade your seats for a lot less than it would normally cost. Our consumer reporter, Andrew, joins us with more on what airlines are offering and whether it's worth the trouble, Ann. Now, do you mind if I mention this? No, you tried ahead. it. Mm-hmm. I did. It was worth it. I liked it. It yeah. worked for me. Yeah. It well, it me. does work in some cases. Mm-hmm. Thanks, you two. Air Canada is just one of the airlines around the world trying to auction off upgraded seats rather than fly with them empty. It's better for the bottom line and consumers can benefit too. Not everyone can bid, however, but select travelers will be notified. Now, here's how it works. Travelers receive an email 10 days prior to departure offering the chance to bid now for your opportunity to upgrade your Air Canada flight. You decide Decide what you're willing to pay and enter your credit card. If your bid is successful, you're notified via email 72 hours before departure and your credit card is charged. Losing bidders are not notified and no charges will apply. So, is it worth it? Travel experts say if you need a certain seat, you should pay for it at the time of booking. If not, name your price and make an offer. But, of course, do your research. You need to find out what the cost would be for that premium economy or that business class seat and decide what you're willing to pay. Normally, Air Canada will give you a bid range, say between four and $900 for a business class upgrade, and then you target what you're willing to pay. So if you've done your homework and you put in a, a proper bid, yes, you will save money. The success of your bid depends on so many factors, how many people got the email, how many people are bidding, and just what they're bidding. At the end of the day, money talks. The highest bid is going to win. Now, again, not everyone gets the opportunity to bid. Air Canada, for example, decides based on the type of class of service people have booked. If your bid is a winner, the fair conditions for the original ticket you purchase still apply in terms of air miles and cancellation policies, but you will enjoy the bigger seat and all the in-flight perks. One more note, when it comes to how much to bid, some industry experts suggest checking the regular cost of business class, subtract what you paid for, your economy seat, and bid between 20 and 40% of the difference. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Good advice. Happy traveling. Thanks a lot. Well, dog owners in the Victoria area could soon be subject to a three-dog limit when walking their pets. It's part of a new proposal that would also limit professional dog walkers, charge them a fee, and put requirements on when and where they can walk. Nitu Garcha tells us why. It's possible Come on, buddy. dog lovers in and around Victoria will soon be leashed when it comes to the number of canines they can walk at once. A three-dog limit is proposed for people walking their pets in Capital Regional District Parks. Three dogs is uh, enough for any one person to try and organize. We got one dog each, and uh, 
they're a handful on their own. And for professional dog walkers, the bylaw would cap the number at eight. They'd also have to pay a $320 annual commercial service fee and abide by permit conditions like which areas to use and when. As professional commercial dog walkers, we do have business licenses, commercial liability insurance, um, equipment for walking groups of dogs. There are about 20 commercial dog walkers in the area, and some say it's not fair. For those who walk more than eight at a time, it could mean a big bite out of their business. It would be annoying to the guy with 10 dogs if he had to hire help for an extra, just a couple extra dogs. But there have been numerous complaints about packs of unleashed dogs, especially here in Thetis Lake Provincial Park. I'm thinking about walking somewhere else. I think something has to be done. Uh, The amount of dogs that are uh, coming out now, uh, it's just getting a little bit ridiculous. I don't think that I myself could control more than three dogs. And that's what led View Royal Mayor David Screech to bring the issue up with the CRD Parks Committee. We're going to have increased bylaw presence in the parks as well to make sure that people do have their dogs under control, which is really the main fundamental point of any bylaw. The limits would apply to dogs on or off leash. The bylaw will go before the CRD board in early December and if it's passed, this solution to the dog dilemma would go into effect May 1st. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Victoria. <laughs> Cute little dog. Yeah. Alright, UCLA athletes probably very relieved to be back on U.S. soil. I didn't exercise my best judgment. The trip to China that cost them more than their freedom. Also ahead, the creators of Cards Against Humanity fighting Donald Trump's border wall in a new marketing prank. Amazing video of a huge fire destroying a warehouse in St. Louis. Nearly 100 firefighters were called in to battle the five-alarm fire. The flames so intense, part of the building collapsed onto a fire truck. The big concern for firefighters, more than 150,000 citronella candles stored inside. But so far, the flames haven't reached them. One employee was taken to hospital with smoke inhalation, but thankfully there are no other injuries. Three UCLA basketball players who now qualify for the Bad Decision Hall of Fame held a contrite news conference today. All three have been suspended indefinitely after being caught shoplifting in China, thankful for some presidential intervention to get back home. Three UCLA basketball players now trying to rebound off the court. I'm grateful to be back home, and I'll never make a mistake like this again. Today, Cody Riley, Leangelo Ball, and Jalen Hill offered their first statement since they were arrested in China for shoplifting. I take full responsibility for the mistake I have made, shoplifting. What I did was stupid. There's just no other way to put it. UCLA now says the freshmen are suspended indefinitely from the team while the school investigates. The players returned to Los Angeles yesterday, released from China with help from the White House. What they did was unfortunate. Uh, You know, you're talking about very long prison sentences. They do not play games. President Trump spoke to China's president about the incident. The White House says that, along with diplomatic efforts by the State Department, led to a reduction in charges. Before the players' news conference today, the president tweeted, Do you think the three UCLA basketball players will say thank you, President Trump? They were headed for 10 years in jail. I'd also like to thank President Trump and the United States government. Leangelo is a member of the high-profile Ball family, one of three fast-rising athletes relentlessly promoted by their father, LeVar. The oldest brother, Lonzo, is a rookie with the L.A. Lakers. I didn't exercise my best judgment. 
But tonight, the spotlight is on Leangelo and two of his teammates were apologizing for their actions overseas. Joe Fryer, NBC News. Well, the makers of the profane and politically incorrect game Cards Against Humanity have launched an unusual war against Donald Trump's border wall. Cards Against Humanity launched a bold campaign to save America. In a mockumentary on its website, the Chicago-based company announced it has purchased a parcel of land along the U.S.-Mexico border and has hired a law firm that specializes in land acquisition. It says its intent is to make building the wall as time-consuming and expensive as possible. Customers were asked to contribute $15 to the cause in return for some surprise gifts. The company says 150,000 people signed up in nine hours. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is taking some heat tonight and getting some advice from A-list Hollywood after his major announcement about Canada's return to peacekeeping. As Lynn Collier reports, not everyone is applauding Trudeau's new plans for this historically Canadian contribution to world peace. The idea of peacekeeping instead of gun shooting was a Canadian initiative back in 1956. Prime Minister Lester B. Pearson organizing the first large-scale peacekeeping mission, helping resolve the Suez mission. to the Blue Helmet Brigade with thousands of peacekeepers. As of last week, there were just 62. The Prime Minister now promising to change that. And the initiatives that we've put forward today uh, demonstrate that Canada is looking to have an impact beyond uh, the simple sending of uh, troops, which we will do. Trudeau is offering 200 Canadian troops and supporting equipment, but military experts say the contributions are very small and disappointing. Canada is not back in peacekeeping. We're now at a historic low. We're only at 20% of our armed forces deployed on peacekeeping, our women. Uh, we should be get pushing the 50% mark. So how about Canada leading by example? Trudeau did earmark $21 million to increase the number of women deployed, but the star speaker at the summit pointed out promises to protect women have been made since the 1949 Geneva Convention, and little has changed. How is it, after all these years, all these laws, and all these resolutions, and all the horrors endured, women still have to ask for this most basic of all entitlements, the right to a life free from violence. ...will be deployed. Lynn Collier, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, the B.C. government is putting a half million dollars into care for premature babies. Money will expand a program called Kangaroo Mother Care, which gives mothers skin-to-skin -skin contact with their preemies. The money will be used to train staff, educate nurses and parents, and buy equipment that will allow nurses to place a preemie on the chest of one of the parents or other family members. Kangaroo care was very vital to my feeling of um, motherhood. I needed to wait 14 hours to hold her just to make sure everything was okay. And I will never forget that moment. That to me was her birth. <sighs> was holding her for the first time skin to skin, smelling her, feeling her, having her hear my heartbeat and my voice. 
and it just meant the world to me. A shocking new report into the unexpected deaths of nearly 100 First Nations youth and young adults says all of the deaths were preventable. The report from the First Nations Health Authority and the B.C. Coroner Service makes a number of recommendations, including promoting connectedness to peers, to family, First Nations community and culture, and reducing barriers and increasing access to services and promoting cultural safety. The report says the mortality rate for First Nations youth and young adults is almost twice the rate of their non-First Nations peers. It looked like a scene out of the Road Warrior movies. Missouri drivers shocked by what their dash cam recorded rolling down the highway. And Pope Francis gets a gift from automobile heaven. His plans for this soon-to-be legendary Lamborghini. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. After the forecast, the strange collision that created this cloud of smoke in Missouri. Thought it was just another day on Highway 1 through Burnaby, but apparently not. It's in, it's in Missouri. Okay, let's uh, check in with Christy now, look at the weather forecast. I looked out the window a while back, and I, I didn't even want to go outside. Uh, I don't even want to go out there. <laughs> it's not that bad. Really? Had, yes, it's not it that terrible. bad, Galen. <laughs> well, you know what? We've had two major storms, windstorms across the region. Finally, the wind has eased off across our area. Uh, power's back on in a lot of areas. Snow is falling, though, in Whistler. Uh, there is not a snowfall warning, despite the fact that they are expecting another 10 centimeters of snow on top of the 35 that they've already reported from those uh, storms that rolled through. Uh, now, for the south coast, we're only looking at showers. This snowfall is really Brandywine north, everyone. But if you're headed up that way, yes, expect a winter wonderland. It's all because of this low-pressure center. Now, we had a cold front that rolled through. That brought the bulk of the wind to our area. But we're in behind it, and you can still see waves of moisture pushing onshore. The winds have eased off. We'll see rain on and off right through the morning hours tomorrow. So your commute to work, also expect it to be wet. But we also have a risk of thunderstorms this evening. Can you see a few lightning strikes? The bulk of them in the Tofino area and over towards Port Alberni. But we certainly have the possibility across all of the south coast region. The other key thing we're watching is a couple of areas have a snowfall warning. So let me show you those regions. It's the BC Peace River, McGregor area, still another five centimeters of snow for you. And this area here is the Palsam Summit to Kootenai Pass. So just higher elevations of the West Kootenai area. If you're in the West Kootenai region in lower elevations, you're expecting just rain. But higher... Elevations 10 to 15 centimeters. And then the further east you go into the Elk Valley area, including areas like Fernie, that's where we're expecting snow even at lower elevations through the evening hours before that system pushes out. This is your tomorrow, everyone. So dry and sunny across the north coast. Chilly, though. And in through the Prince George, Quinnell region, just a few flurries. You had a ton of snow uh, in the Prince George region. I had some nice photos sent to us uh, um, from the Fraser Lake area, a little too close to uh, being on air. I wasn't able to get it on, but they saw a good foot of uh, snow there. Uh, meanwhile, through the south tomorrow, mainly dry except those eastern sections. So showers or flurries in areas like Revelstoke, snow or flurries still for the Cranbrook region. Whistler will see a few flurries, mostly in the morning tomorrow. And all of these regions, the showers mainly in the morning. Later in the day, conditions start to dry up. We're hoping for some sunny breaks even in the afternoon. And our Friday looking really nice. 
start of our work weekend looking nice, but it is going to be a wet end to our weekend. Happy birthday to Charles Butler and Doris Law, both celebrating 100 years today and 70th anniversary to Laverne and Bob Richardson. And tonight's weather window from Quinnell, uh, sent to us by Janet Rankin. And this is a great shot of the ice on the lake that obviously was broken up, probably by wind and then refrozen. Cool shot. Thanks, Janet, for that. Dragon Lake. Mm-hmm. Well cool named. Name. Okay, thank you. Two motorists in Missouri caught a strange sight on an interstate highway. He's not even trying to stop, you man. Know? Their dash cam records a semi-trailer trailing a cloud of smoke, and then they notice the big rig was pushing a car in front of it. The two vehicles had apparently merged into each other, and the vehicle became stuck, eventually separating about a minute later. The truck driver claimed he didn't know the car was there. No one was injured or ticketed. Well, Pope Francis often sets a new standard for unusual photo ops, and today was no exception. The Pope took delivery of a brand-new Lamborghini. But don't expect him to trade in the old Pope-mobile just yet. The Lambo is a special edition built just for him, white with yellow gold detailing. But Francis signed the car and blessed it, and it will now be auctioned off for charity, probably for far more than its $250,000 list price. Beautiful. Well, we assume singer Gwen Stefani agrees with this year's choice for People magazine's sexiest man alive. Yeah, you know, whatever. I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> Country superstar and the voice coach Blake Shelton's reaction to the honor. Well, he says the magazine must be running out of people. Shelton says Stefani, his girlfriend of a couple of years now, convinced him to accept the honor, which typically comes with some sarcastic bragging rights and a lot of good-natured abuse from fellow celebrities. I'm just kidding, Blake. I think you're very handsome, too. <laughs> Your time will come. It will. Still waiting for the call. I'm getting really Still tired of losing call. this thing every year. Right. Yeah? Right? I've been doing a couple push-ups lately. I don't really know what the deal is. <laughs> One-hander. How do they know? It's, notice it's always a celebrity. I mean, the sexiest man alive could be like a truck driver in New Zealand. Yeah. You know, or they could be a sportscaster. Well, Vancouver. apparently not. <laughs> so. One day. One day. Hey, last night the Canucks uh, beat the Kings. And you know what the Canucks had last night? That's right. He-Man is right. A couple of power play goals against a team with the best penalty kill going into this one. We'll show you why one of the power play goals happened, not this one, the other one. And how's this for a catchphrase? Fight the man, own the mountain. Much more than a catchphrase for those who are trying to save a ski hill. Shot by a bolt of lightning, maybe. I know. Well, you know what? We talked about this uh, before the game yesterday, how the Canucks have basically a powerless play, and the L.A. Kings were a team that had great penalty killing. So on paper, it looked like, oh, this is going to be a mismatch. And then it all changed, yes. Power of Grayskull. It was the power of Grayskull. The Canucks <laughs> win he-man on the L.A. Kings. Uh, two power play goals, a comeback win. They were down 2 nothing after one period. It was kind of like... Throwback Tuesday, 2011. Power play goals by the Canucks. No panic after falling behind. Great goaltending from Anders Nilsson, especially in the third period. But the key, once again, to the Canucks power play, I know not a lot of success this year, but when it has had success, a lot of times it's Brock Besser's shot. Not Brock Besser passing the puck. His shot gets him assists. He has 10 assists. That's the most on the Canucks this year. Watch here. Shot. Jonathan Quick can't handle it. It's too hard a shot. 
Look at the bend here on the stick. And again, he can't handle it. And Bo Horvat's right where he should be. Just waits till it drops and gets the easy goal here. Brock Besser at the circle. That's a good way to get power play success. Former Canuck Eddie Lack starting for the Calgary Flames tonight. <sighs> Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. It's already 1-0 for Detroit. Now it's 2-0. Gustav Nyquist scoring. And then uh, Anthony Mantha scoring. And then that's a power play goal. This is shorthanded. Dylan Larkin. Hey, Eddie, you're a great guy, but this is not great net minding. And then in the second period, Anthony Mantha again. Yikes. 15 shots, five goals. That's it. Eddie Lacks out. John Gillies is in. Not impressive from our old friend Eddie Lack. Uh, if you ask any head coach or general manager, quick, who's your fifth string goalie? They wouldn't know. They'd have to look it up. Because no team really ever gets down to the number five guy during the season. But the Vegas Golden Knights, who have been full of surprises so far this year, they have gotten to their number five goalie. Apparently being a goalie for Vegas has become one of the most dangerous occupations in the world. Their latest goalie was recently playing for Kamloops, a Vancouver Island kid from Lanceville named Dylan Ferguson. Dylan Ferguson from the Kamloops Blazers is going to get into a National Hockey League game. It's a whirlwind and it's still really surreal. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of starting to sink in a little bit, but uh, I don't think it's ever going to sink in and I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. But, um, you know, it's really, for when I head back, it's just going to be more motivation to work that 10% harder so I can get back here. Back here would be the National Hockey League and the Golden Knights crease. And forget about Dylan Ferguson trying to find his NHL legs, keeping his skates firmly on the ice, job number one for the 19-year-old seventh-round draft pick. That's because less than two weeks ago, Dylan was back in Kamloops, about to enjoy dinner, when another Vegas goalie got injured. We'll let Dylan take it from here. I was actually having all-meat wings at Boston Pizza. Next thing you know, I'm getting a call from Vegas saying I'm going to New York, so pretty crazy. I just uh, pretty much ran out, paid for the guy's dinner, and um, that was that, and I was on a flight two hours later. He's getting the chance to play in the National Hockey League, and he got a chance to go in a game last night, so it's huge for a 19-year-old kid that, you know, come in here with no expectations, and all of a sudden, with the goalie situation, he get an opportunity. So I think he's, you know, he's, he's learning the pro game, he's traveling with pro players every day, and I think it's great experience for the kid. Dylan and the Golden Knights are under no grand delusion as to where the kid belongs. He's a great story, and one that fits in with what's become a terrific narrative for a franchise that's anything but an expansion team. Vegas currently sits second in the Pacific Division, despite a rash of injuries to practically every goalie they have in the system. Counting Ferguson, they're now five goalies deep in the crease. You know, we're 16 games in, we had you know, three goalies here, so it's, it's been tough, but you, know, you work through that, you don't make excuses, you keep battling. One more thing to make this story even better. Dylan Ferguson first stepped on NHL ice as a wee youngster. Seven years ago, right here at Rogers Arena, he skated out alongside Roberto Luongo. Imagine how mind-blowing it would be if he started Thursday against the Vancouver Canucks. You know, as a kid, it was always my dream to play uh, in the NHL, obviously, like a lot of other kids. But, um, you know, that doesn't happen like that very often, so it's pretty cool. Stadium 
Stadium Australia, Australia Sydney, full. Australia, Honduras. Winner gets to go to the World Cup next year. Second Boyd, half, we'll no goal. Mila Jednak, the Australian captain, does score. It's 1-0. And then Jednak again. Penalty kick. 2-0 for the Socceroos. And then Jednak again. Another penalty kick. 3-0. You can book it. They're going to Russia next year. And light the fireworks as well over Sydney. Australia wins. We're now awaiting the game between Peru and New Zealand. Winner of that goes to Russia as well. And that'll be it. No more spots left after this game tonight. Australia's in. Italy is not. It's still almost unfathomable. Yeah. Thank you very much. Iceland is in. Italy is not. Yeah. There you go. And they're still getting over the shock. I don't know if they ever will. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's check in with Andrew now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. And many of you will be familiar with Operation Red Nose. It's been providing safe rides over the holidays for years. But now comes news that won't be operating in Surrey or Langley this year. The group that's been in charge of the service in recent years has pulled out. And now it's too late for another organization to save the program for this year. The reason behind the change and the search for a solution tonight at 11. Sophie, Chris. All right. Thanks, Anne. And also still to come, the maverick spirit alive and well on Red Mountain, sticking it to the man. Next. Latest on the lawsuit filed against Harvey Weinstein over rape allegations. Plus, is Mark Harmon leaving NCIS? What he told us in a new sit down. And you won't believe People magazine's pick for this year's sexiest man alive. That's coming up at seven right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. It's not you. Of course not. Blake deservedly (laughs) got the honor. Well, it is a sobering statistic. 39 North American ski resorts, including Whistler Blackcomb, are owned by just three major corporations. And one BC resort is bucking the trend with its fiercely independent point of view, offering skiers and boarders part ownership. Aaron MacArthur visited the Maverick Mountain to see how they do it. I was just going to go about like that. With two weeks to go before opening day, work crews at Red Mountain are racing to get the newly renovated Paradise Lodge finished. The reno's part of an audacious plan that was hatched to let skiers invest in the ski hill. Myself and a few others, we just might have been a beer involved. Of its expansion. For a minimum contribution of $1,000, people get a stake in the resort and access to perks like lift tickets or custom skis. When the idea was first launched, millions of people put their hands up. And so far, the mountain has commitment for about a million and a half dollars, enough to close the deal. People that are connected to skiing and believe that there is a place for independent ski resorts and, uh, to exist, um, they're investing. Recently, ski resorts have gone through major consolidation. Huge resorts like Whistler are getting gobbled up by bigger resorts like Vail. There are now 39 ski resorts owned by just three companies. Red Mountain trying to be everything the big guys aren't. The campaign has been branded as Fight the Man, Own the Mountain. Red Mountain not blind to the high-end market. Luxury hotel is nearing completion. The Josie set to bring the resort in line with others around North America in terms of amenities. Keeping it affordable and at the same time, Um, becoming a sustainable business 
enterprise. And those two things, when you're at this scale, is very challenging. The crowdfunding campaign has been successful, but the real success here is in the